Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni with you. And we are joined by Jeanette Brown, Senior Litigation Counsel here at NCLA, because Jeanette has once again sued the EPA, which uh, we're glad to have her here to do that for us. Uh, Jeanette, what is the EPA up to this time? The EPA is making up rules because Congress is letting it. Um, So this case relates to some refrigerants um, and As part of an omnibus budget bill at the end of 2020, Congress said, you know, let's do a cap and trade scheme on some some compounds that are commonly used for refrigeration, uh, commercial refrigeration all over the United States. And EPA wants you to figure that out. And so whether you like the policy or not, the basic idea is reduce the amount of this that is available over time by reducing the number of permits or whatever that are that are issued. Right. Prior to this statute, there was no limitation on the amount of these compounds that could be used for refrigeration um, in the United States. And so this created a limit um, and ratchets down that limit bit by bit over time until the market is only 15 percent of what it currently is. Call it a freedom squeeze over (laughs) over time. (laughs) Or choke. Or choke. Yeah, right. So... So how does the EPA decide if Congress didn't tell it how to uh, you know, assign these things? How does, how does EPA decide to do it? Well, that is exactly the problem. EPA gets to make up the rules. Congress gave no boundaries, no limits, no policy direction, no priorities. Um, and so when EPA created a rule that said how we're going to do this, they created essentially their own set of guiding principles Um, But it's very clear from the Supreme Court that agencies can't fix these problems that Congress has left to them. Um, So the EPA has tried to do that. They've used some administrative um, guidance, some executive decisions, um, executive orders to fill in the gaps. But that's not the job of the executive branch. So, so what did they decide? Did they did they uh, sort of give everybody who was already in the industry kind of a uh, a proportion equal to what they were roughly doing already? Yes and no, right? I mean, that's what one would expect. And that's what happened previously in some cap and trade programs and sort of was the background against which Congress would have been legislating. But that's not exactly what the EPA did here. They tinkered with some of the definitions. They changed um, how things could be allocated. They changed definitions of importers and they set aside, they took a part, a part of the market and they set it aside for new entrants. Um, Why would you set it aside for new entrants when the whole idea is to make the substance go away? That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that is a very good question, but that is one of the policy directives that the EPA chose from an executive order. They set it aside for the socially disadvantaged people who may have experienced barriers getting into the market previously. Based on race and gender of company owners? Correct. Yeah. Uh, I've seen enough of these things go on that it seems like what usually happens when they have these set-asides is that a company 
that may not really be led by someone of a particular race or gender finds a way of bringing that person into the ownership enough to qualify for the particular set aside. So I, I, I'm not, I don't know that these necessarily make sense, but that's not really the, that's not really what you're going after in the lawsuit. What's the legal argument that you're making here against? No, against I mean, this? that's an example of what we're going after. And it's, it's an example of the EPA creating a program with no guidance from Congress. They made up these factors. They made up how they were going to do this. So what we're going after is the fact that Congress has to do its job under the Constitution. Congress has to legislate. And the way they left this completely wide open to the EPA leaves it to the EPA to legislate. And worse, the EPA has decided they can change the rules as they go along. So this is a, as I said, multiple year process, many rungs on the steps down. And the EPA has clearly signaled, well, we can choose one allocation scheme for one step, but switch to another one. So for the industry, there's not a lot of predictability. Right. Yeah, I could see that. If, if uh, So this was the American Innovation and Manufacturing Act of 2020 but there are multiple phases. Is it every two years or how often do they reallocate? Uh, uh, I don't the, think it's every two years. So for instance, the first step, sta step down was two years, but the current rule that was just issued is 2024 to 2028. Okay. Um, so it depends. The, I think the later steps are a bit longer. And that's the one you're suing over is the 24 to 28? I'm not suing over the rule. I'm suing over the statute. I am actually suing over the rule, but that's a separate lawsuit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I told you she case... sues, the, yeah. sues the EPA over here. <laughs> yeah, okay. this case is about the statute explicitly and specifically, which is why we brought the case in district court in Georgia where the client is located. The client is a small American business uh, that got into this um, space to market refrigerants that were better for the environment than the prior alternatives. Uh, and now they're getting squeezed out. I was going to say, these are hydrofluorocarbons, which are supposedly better for the environment than the, the prior, was it chlorofluorocarbons or whatever they were using before? Right, right. Uh, and, and so, you know, no, no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. Right. And before that, it was ammonia and some other dangerous products that when they would have a leak, they would literally have to evacuate blocks, um, you know, if they had leaks of refrigerants. So, the, the products have continually been getting better. And this is just one, actually, of many instances in which Congress um, and the agencies have used climate change as a reason to mess with industry. And something that's working. I mean, HFCs are working right now for refrigeration, and they're, as you say, better for the environment than, than, than prior options. Uh, did I read in the complaint that uh, Choice's former business partner an importer was given some of the allocation that Choice Former had and, and even a Chinese-owned company that infringed Choice's patent and engaged in illegal dumping was given some of the allocation by EPA? That's correct. So as I mentioned, EPA tinkered with some of the definitions, particularly as it relates to importer. Um, and so here, uh, our client had a prior business partner shipping agent that had done some of the paperwork for imports before to bring in the product. Our client actually has a patented product that they manufacture and label in Georgia from the ingredients that are brought in. Um, but the credit for those imports went to the import agent, to the former business partner, uh, because they were the ones who filled out the associated paperwork. And that was how the EPA decided basically was administrative convenience rather than you know, as you said, the title of the statute is American Innovation Manufacturing. This is not <laughs> well, that's, that's, an American manufacturer. And for the pirate company, no, also, it's also not American Innovation. If you're, no, yeah, no. So everything, not everything, but almost everything the EPA did here is contrary to the 
tiny bit of direction that was given in the title of the statute. Yeah, I almost wonder if you should ch challenge this as uh, uh, EPA is not promoting American innovation and it's not promoting American manufacturing. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. But it goes to show what happens when Congress leaves the gap open to an administrative agency. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, you say that that Congress was was derelict in its duty here. So is this a non-delegation kind of argument? What is the, the, the legal claim that you're making? Yeah, it's what's commonly known as non-delegation. The idea that legislative power is vested in Congress by the Constitution and Congress cannot give that power away. They don't have the ability to delegate it. Um, so that's exactly what the challenge is. Uh, and it's against the EPA continuing to enforce basically the EPA's own legislative policies that they adopted whole cloth. Uh, or do we have any help with this with this case down in uh, Georgia? We do. This is a great pleasure. We're working with Southeastern Legal Foundation. Um, they're a like-minded organization based in Georgia um, and colleagues of ours that we've worked in the uh, space with sort of generally, but I think this is the first case that we've worked with them here. Um, and so it's, it's a great pleasure to be working with Southeastern Legal. Yeah, Southeastern filed uh, amicus brief in our, in our Federalist uh, case where we were representing Federalist over the Ben Dominich tweet. They, uh, I said amicus, that's not right. They were representing employees at the Federalist in that lawsuit uh, who were, you know, coming in to say, yeah, we thought his tweet was funny and we didn't find it. They put in all the affidavits be, of yes. the, of the employees saying, are you kidding me? Right. Exactly. So, so that was, uh, that was, uh, helpful when they, uh, when they did that and, and that led to, uh, that led to a nice uh, victory. And so I, uh, look forward to working with them uh, on this, uh, lawsuit as well. What's the, what's the timing look like here? So you just have just filed the, the complaint this week. Yeah, this is an interesting action because it is not an APA action. It is not um, subject to the APA limitations. And so the time limitation really kind of depends on what the government's going to rely on in terms of the basis for formulating its principles. Uh, it's not clear yet whether or not there will be discovery in this case. I'm rather hoping that there is. Um, we will fight for discovery. And so we have 90 days to serve the government. We'll get that done in the next week or so. That will trigger their deadline to respond, and then we'll figure out what the discovery schedule is going to be. And they'll just give an answer right away because that's what the government always does. Yeah, no. <laughs> First, they'll move for an extension, and then they'll move to dismiss. And, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, I've uh, I, I teach public public interest litigation at Scalia Law School, and and one of the classes and one of the things I drill into them is anytime you sue the government, don't expect an answer. There's always going to be something on standing, something on mootness, something on. You know, some motion to dismiss that has nothing to do with the merits of the case. They never want to get to the merits. They try to make everything go away. And in fact, I think Brandon Boucher of the Southeast, he has a he has a mantra of this because it's either um, the, there's no cause of action yet. and It's not ripe. They're immune to the cause of action you brought because of uh, because of uh, immunity um, or it's already all over and it's moot. Yeah. yeah those are the only option. Those, <laughs> are, the, the only those, are, those are the three doors, right, that the government thinks that your case uh, uh, falls into, but uh, but Jeanette is here to fight through all of those uh, doors and and try to get to the merits uh, on this case and uh, and good luck, Jeanette. I think if if we can get the get to the merits uh, in front of a judge, I I think you've got a really good shot here at showing that uh, the statute does violate the non delegation uh, doctrine. It would be a great victory, and I will fight all the way there. Fantastic. Well, again. Uh, the case is uh, RMS of Georgia doing business as Choice Refrigerants 
the uh, Environmental Protection Agency and Michael Regan, Administrator of EPA in his official capacity. We'll keep you posted on it. Thanks again, John. Thank you. Welcome back to Administrative Static, and we are rejoined by Janine Eunice for another, uh, what I would say is a victory, uh, it, for to to end the segment, um, and that's in Missouri v. Biden. And I, last week, Janine, we were here, and you and I were sharing the perplexity that we think that the <laughs> Solicitor General also shared, uh, Ms. Prelegar, on what the Fifth Circuit had done in this case, and. And you I, promised the good people that you would tell them what the Supreme Court did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, what's happened, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but basically um, you may recall that the Fifth Circuit, a panel of Fifth Circuit had uh, affirmed in part and, and reversed in part uh, the district court's order on preliminary injunction. And they changed the preliminary injunction a bit, and but they'd still kept in there that the government couldn't um, violate Americans' First Amendment rights, including our clients, uh, and the government was so incensed by this that they'd have to follow the law that they they <laughs> they moved to, they moved to stop the stay in this in the Supreme Court and said and in in the alternative we make this a petition for certiorari we want you to take it on the merits of what happened so uh, while this is up there and we've briefed that issue we briefed the stay and petition all that stuff. Uh, then, like on Monday uh, of, of last week or whenever, the Fifth Circuit comes down and issues an order that says, ah, we'll rehear it before the government. Well, that was on our motion. So that was we had made a motion asking for a rehearing on one of the uh, components of the Fifth Circuit's decision that we didn't like, which was that they had excluded the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. From oh, you do that well. <laughs> yeah, that was impressive. That was pra impressive. Practice. Yeah, we also I just say Sizer. Uh, yes, exactly. Size, no, no, the Sizer. Yeah. So they didn't wait for the government response and they issued this order and none of us know what's going on. Because they'd also sent it back down to the district court, right? So it was yes. in the district court. It was in the Fifth Circuit. It was in the Supreme Court. Nobody knows what's going on. So then the next day, they issue a, what I'll call a clarifying order. And they said, well, we're going we're gonna to withdraw that order. That was some clerk's mistake. Uh-huh. And, um, and so that was some clerk's mistake. So what we're going to do is we're going to allow the government to respond to the request for a rehearing by the panel. And then does that clerk belong to Plank Walkers Anonymous? Is yes, that, is that a... he's in Plank Walker. And <laughs> and I have I you know, I have my strong suspicions whether orders get issued in Fifth Circuit without a judge knowing about it. But I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take them at their word. How about that? Since especially it doesn't hurt me, they, especially <laughs> since they ruled for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so then so then um, so that they pull it back from the district court. So that cleans up that part of the mess. And then they allow the government to respond, and that cleans up that not so much a mess, but it's bad form, right? Yeah. And then, uh, and then they, uh, then they issued a stay until they decide this. So, 
uh, we got an email from the Supreme Court, which I don't. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice. Yeah. Okay. So the Supreme Court just sends us an email saying, let us know what the Fifth Circuit does. <laughs> they don't they don't issue an order. They don't do anything. It's like an email to the to the to the lawyers. Let us know when they when they've settled on something. And so uh, so now what has happened? So now uh, the government responded. The government said. Uh, don't yeah. do, do we're hearing, you know, yeah. basically get yeah. away, get away from me. Yeah. So, and the so, Supreme Court did bupkis, right? And the, I, oh, no, just, just the email. Let us know. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. So then go ahead. What's going so, on? So then uh, two days ago, I think the Fifth Circuit granted uh, the motion for reconsideration and at the same time uh, issued a new decision, which mainly is just different as to the CISA issue, issue. So it includes CISA and the injunction, and it's sort of a reassessment of the facts and CISA's conduct. It says, so it didn't change the standard. The Fifth Circuit had said that in order to find a First Amendment violation here, the government has to have coerced or significantly encouraged social, media's to sen- social media companies to censor based on viewpoint. Uh, you know, we have, a, have somewhat of an issue with that because we think that sets the bar too high, that the government really shouldn't be able to uh, sort of work with these companies. They, sh- they shouldn't be able to work together, even if the companies are doing it voluntarily. I think that really uh, is a free speech amendment or first First Amendment um, infringement. The government shouldn't be able to help them censor yeah, people censor better people. and more. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you can draw from various other uh, areas of law, like the Fourth Amendment, where, you know, you, that pro- prohibits unreasonable searches and seizures, uh, uh, the government searching your home without a warrant. The government can't go hire a private company to go search your home without a warrant or uh, ask, a, ask a friend to go search your home without a warrant. That would be seen as clearly unconstitutional. So what we're saying is that that sort of reasoning should apply in the First Amendment context. In fact, the First Amendment, if anything, should be more protective than the Fourth Amendment. The government doesn't think that's true. So anyway, <laughs> this is all to say, the unfortunately, the Fifth Circuit didn't really change the legal standard. So that will still likely be an issue when this goes back to the Supreme Court. But it was a victory that the Supreme, uh, that the, sorry, that the Fifth Circuit included CISA in the injunction because it recognized just how egregious CISA's conduct was. It's a, this agency is a, it's a sub agency of DHS. And it's done a lot of work uh, the Department of Homeland Security. Sorry. Uh, it's done a lot of work with third party groups to uh, censor American speech, especially about elections. And it's also really odd mission creep. This agency was um, formed in order to protect our infrastructure. So it's really about hacking, that hacking and then bridges and tunnels and that kind of thing, protecting that. And then they've sort of creeped. Not not people going online to to use the for, to use the platforms for what they're supposed to be used for. Exactly. Like putting up posts. And now they're saying, well, at part of our part of what we have to do is protect the cognitive infrastructure of our nation. And that involves <laughs> censoring people who are saying things we don't like about elections on social media. Yeah. And so let's sort of draw this to where it is. So now uh, we have we have because they sent us an email. Uh, to send an email to, to file something because that's not how you deal with courts. <laughs> they we filed uh, uh, a little note to the to the Supreme Court telling them what the Fifth Circuit has done, right? Yes. And did na- you do that via email too, John? No, did we, did not, reply, reply we did not. We did not. We filed <laughs> it. It was also at their request. The court had said, "Let us know when there are significant yeah. developments in the Fifth yes, Circuit." Yes, <laughs> this definitely was right. But they didn't issue an order. They just sent us an email, which, yeah. as again, this is very unusual yeah. in the law. You usually have something where you go to the docket, you look at it, you know what it is. So we put something on the docket saying this, um, and so uh, now. 
I think the situation, correct me if I'm wrong, here's, here's what I think is going to happen. The Fifth Circuit did not make us all go down there and argue it again. They didn't make us rebrief it. They did it on the briefs of the parties that had, had been submitted about whether to have a rehearing and what the facts were. And then we all pointed to the record, what was in the record. And so they, they decided that. So, um, so uh, Solicitor General Preligar says, you know, nothing's changed. I, I think she's going to say nothing's changed and we want this. I don't know if there'll be another round of briefing or just updated briefing. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but it does seem to me that, uh, that the government is, is no less adamant at what they want. Right. And so I assume that they will continue to ask for another stay and, and petition for cert. Right. I think so. Yeah. And how long, what, what's our time? What do we think is going to happen time-wise, do you think? I, I'm not sure, but I don't think this should take too long because the briefs only need to be sort of altered a little bit. So I'm guessing that uh, something will happen soon. We'll get something from the Supreme Court soon that indicates what it thinks. Um, because if it if it grants the stay, that's quite bad. <laughs> um, you know, that indicates that they looked at the government's papers and thought their argument was compelling, which I don't see how you can think that because they're just asking to violate the First Amendment. <laughs> they're asking to be able to co coerce companies uh, into censoring based on viewpoint. See, I disagree but... with you slightly here. And here's why. I think that because it is such a big deal, because it's unprecedented, to, to make an order like this. Because and, the government's whining really loudly. Yes, correct. Like, and it's they, the Solicitor yeah. General. I believe that there are institutionalists at the Supreme Court yeah. who are going to be willing to, who might be who might be on our side on the law, who are willing to see what they actually have to say for themselves in person. So well, I, it, it I don't think, on... I will not like it. I will yeah. say this. I will not like it, but I don't think it would be tipping the hat. I think it would be merely them saying, hey, uh, the government is entitled if it's if it's right, um, it's entitled to at least to stay for a little while longer because there are thinking is going to be, look, it's been stayed this long. And yeah. and so well, I, I, I that's why that's why I'm, I don't think it's a catastrophe. Yeah, I think it's so, a minor negative. Yeah. And they keep saying national security, national security, even though yeah. a lot of the stuff that we're complaining about them has uh, taking down has nothing to do with national security. Yeah. And <laughs> and and the national security thing. Uh, it, they haven't said one thing in these briefs. Am I wrong about this? And I, I, I was out this last week when they put in their, their thing, but I have not seen them say, this is what we would do. This is what we're doing now that we wouldn't be doing if the injunction was in that is lawful. They, I haven't yeah. seen an actual example of a thing that is lawful but prohibited by the injunction that they would be doing if the injunction was enforced. Yeah, I, they they gave some example, like if there was a climate change disaster and they couldn't censor people for disagreeing that there was a climate disaster, which is protected speech. So, you know, their example kind of proved uh, or showed exactly why this is such a problem. But I, yeah, I see your point. And I think I guess it would depend what the you know, what exactly happens if they grant the stay and they what they say about it. Um, you know, if they make clear that this is just sort of they're um, willing to give the government the benefit of the doubt for a limited period of time. I, that wouldn't be so bad. That's true. But... Another administrative stay wouldn't bother me at all. Uh, I would think nothing of yeah. it, to tell you the truth. Uh, so um, I do think that I, I think that the government has like 10 days to do something. So I, I don't I, I think this is on a fast track and we're going to get um, we're at least going to file more briefs. I don't think we'll know what the Supreme Court thinks for a little bit. But um, I do. I. I you know, this 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 expanding um, 
expanding the uh, the injunction, injunction to cis. I, I mean, that is a big deal because they were one of the worst uh, actors, right? Yeah. I mean, they were very, they really were very involved in the censorship industrial complex. Uh, they were not, as far as I've seen, they were not coercing the companies. They weren't telling them you're going to face negative consequences if you don't do this. But what they were doing was in effect just as insidious in terms of the the, the impact on free speech in the, in the country. Well, I think it's still moving forward very well, Janine, and we'll have you back on uh, the next time something happens other than an email. I'm sure it'll be by next Thursday. Something's always <laughs> happening at this day. All right. Thank you very much for listening to Administrative Static, and we'll be here next time.